Hey, what's up guys? Chad Hermanson here with Metal Edge Training Coach. Today I'll be chatting with former minor leaguer Greg Shepard. Greg has done a lot of good things out here in the Las Vegas area. He does a lot of lessons. He had a great minor league career. He is now a chiropractor, has many great insights into the game of baseball. So we're going to be chatting with Greg Shepard today. So enjoy this call. What's up, Dr. Greg? How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Chad. Good to be here. <laughs> I, love, I want to call you Doc. Now, I've never called you Doc before, so maybe we'll dive into how you became <laughs> a doctor here in a minute. But yeah, at the time of this recording, it's Labor Day. Um, it's about 110 degrees out here in Vegas, which you got your America shirt on, right? America. Um, so what's going on? So we're going to start diving into, you know, we we were talking just a little bit before. I want you to share your story. Uh, you played some minor league baseball for a few different teams. So how did you get drafted? How'd that come about? I, I actually never got drafted. Awesome. Uh, so I, <laughs> I'm, I'm from a little town in, in Michigan, Battle Creek, Michigan. Uh, I grew up in a, you know, kind of, it's kind of small town. My high school I graduated in was uh, 121. Uh, my mom worked for Kellogg's and my dad, worked for Clark's and we had a, our family had a dairy farm. So I ate a lot of cereal growing up and, uh, frosted and, flakes. Yeah. Frosted flakes. I still eat yeah. those. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but, and, and lots of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I still haven't got, got rid of yeah. those too. That's a minor league thing. Um, but I, uh, you know, gro growing up, I remember growing up and, um, I loved baseball. I was terrible at it. It was terrible. I was, <laughs> I was a kid that they're like, the coaches are like, uh, we got the shepherd kid. Uh, yeah. We got to get him in. Where are we going to put him? Let's just throw him out right field. Stick him in right. And yeah. <laughs> my glove right was like, field, right? my glove was, when my glove was about this long, you know, and, and I just stand out there and I was, I was terrible. And, but I loved, I loved the game. And I was a fat kid. I was like short and I looked like a little fire hydrant. And uh, my nickname was Pudget. And, uh, you know, my, I had an older sister and all her friends used to whoop my butt and everything. They were older and uh, make fun of me. And one summer, one of her friends was, he was a senior in high school and I was in sixth or seventh grade or maybe he was a junior. He said, Greg, I, I bad boy for a league, collegiate summer league team and I'm going to get out of high school and I'm not going to do this anymore. But they, they, we need someone to take it on and, and continue it. And I was like, okay. And uh, so I got to, you know, a sixth, seventh grade. I got to go out in the field with these college kids and, and uh, our league wasn't completely, they, we call it a collegiate summer league, but it wasn't, we brought college kids in, but we still had kids that were, you know, that were, you know, 28 to 35 still playing. Mm. Um, uh, but, but the team was mostly made up of these college kids and then they filled in with these guys. So I got to go out on the field with these guys uh, every, almost every day and practice with them in the summers. And then they play games, you know, uh, two days a week. And then they play Saturday and Sunday doubleheader. So I would travel with the team also. And I'm still playing. Um, and I remember, you know, when I first started out that summer, uh, I w like I said, I was terrible. Like, they would hit major league fungos. Like, I'd be out in right field, and the guy at home plate would just mash him in the air. And I was afraid to catch him. They were coming down so hard, they hurt my hand. And I would just be like, ugh. 
And by the end of the summer, I was like catching them and the guys were catching them behind their back. By the end of the summers, I was catching them behind my back and stuff. And they're like, all right, this kid's going to be okay. But it was just about, it was about being around those types of players and, and seeing them and how they worked out. I learned, you know, that that was part of my baseball education. And then um, fast forward, we, in my freshman year of high school, I moved to Southern California. Now you want to get another baseball education, move where it's warm and the yeah. kids don't stop playing. Right. So even during football season, so I was down there my first freshman year, um, I'm playing football in the summer uh, and doing this football workout program. Baseball's over for me that first year that I get there. I was in eighth grade. Um, so I, all I did was work out. All I did was lift weights. I got ready for football season. And then some of the baseball guys were like, well, after football practice, they'd go take some ground balls and stuff. So I would just start bringing my glove with me and I'd take ground balls. I did it during basketball season. I did it all pretty much all year. And my, after my freshman year and my sophomore year, I got, I was much better. I wasn't just playing right field anymore. I was actually pitching and playing some third and um, a little bit of shortstop, but we have some really good players out there. Uh, and then, uh, and then we, we moved back to Michigan. So I went, from, I went from being an, a, a pretty decent player in California. Then I moved back to Michigan and all of a sudden I was like right at the top. Um, and I still, you know, my, my mom doesn't know this, but this is how, this is how serious I was about baseball. Uh, I couldn't hit enough. Like I could hit and hit and hit till my fingers bled. I used to steal the car. I didn't have a license. I knew how to drive it. It was a stick shift too. That's what they thought. They would leave it because they figured it was safe. Right. I started to back it in and out of the driveway and learn how to, to manipulate the gears right. And I would drive it around the block and stuff like that. Well, one day I was like, well, nobody's here. I'm going to drive it down to this batting cage. It's like in Los Angeles. I got to drive like 15 miles. Hmm. Never, never been on the freeway, anything. I did it. And I would start doing it all the time. <laughs> and, and so I'd go hit as much as I could. And then when I, you know, when I got back to Michigan, uh, uh, I didn't have a car, uh, but I had a license right away. So I would finish baseball practice and I didn't, I probably lived about three miles from the batting cage and I had a bike and I would just ride my bike as many days a week as I could. And I would hit, an, I, would, I had enough to hit a hundred balls. So it was like $20 or, or uh, 10, 20 pitches for a dollar. So I'd take $5 down there and hit a hundred balls and I would do it three, four times a week. None of my teammates were doing this. Right. They would just go to practice and then I would leave and then I'd go after practice was over, I'd go to practice again. And, uh, it, 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 it made the, it made a difference. And it was really neat to, when I was in high school in Michigan, um, uh, I had a really awkward, I was like Ricky Henderson low, like squatted down low. Phil Plantier would be another guy. If you remember him. Oh yeah. Uh, that's how I was, I, it, you know, as I had that low, really low and I swung up and, uh, I, you know, everything, if I really hit it, I hit it, but it, most of the time my ball had a lot of top spin on it. So if I pulled it, it'd get over the infield and just cut, it was like a breaking pitch it just die. Other way though, I would get it. If I got inside of it, it, it would have a lot of carry. So I was really good to like center and left, but not really good at pull hitter. And, uh, uh, the guy from the Tigers one day that he they were out watching and and they were like watch me play and play short and the guy goes there's only one kid here that's ever going to go anywhere and they're like well 
they're thinking we got this pitcher that throws 91 and he goes that guy playing shortstop right there look his footwork's good he he, he always he's always in the right position when he throws and uh at the plate he you know he, he sees a tough out and he hustled he doesn't like I would if I hit a ground ball the first I sprinted and I tried to beat the guy there like I was like under that impression that that's what you had to do you had to run hard and so uh and then you know and then I got through high school I led my area in hitting uh my junior year by one point I hit 470 my junior year and then my senior year I hit 542 hmm. and I had a broken middle finger I took a bad hop on a ball and hit me in the end of it broke my tip of my finger and so I had to hit with my finger like this and I was hitting about six probably like 680 and then I broke my finger and I think man if I or, broke or finger, you were just flipping the pitcher off when you were hitting yeah, if I think man if I didn't break that finger and have to hit so funny like I probably would have there wouldn't have been anybody close and there wasn't my senior year there wasn't anybody close in the area and uh and then you know I get it my whole thing was I I always wanted to go to Arizona State I said I was going to go to Arizona State, and I started to talk to Arizona State on my own. And then my coach, you know, he he did some, you know, he finally called them, and they didn't want, they didn't care anything about me being a shortstop and a hitter. They wanted me to pitch. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to pitch in college, you know. <laughs> and they're like, we we got money for pitchers, we don't got money for shortstops. And I was like, ah, oh, we don't got money from shortstops from Michigan. Right. And I was like, well, so they, at the last minute I said, Oh, I don't want to play. I don't want to pitch. Um, he said, you can come and you can come and walk on. Uh, I was actually talking with, it was Kendall Carter. It was his pitching coach. Um, Brock was, uh, Brock was the head coach there. He died, you know, many, many years ago from cancer, I believe, but he, he would, you know, he was interested as a, as a shortstop, but this guy was more wanting me to be a pitcher. And I just, I just don't want to pitch in college. And I, so I, I, got out of my letter and they gave me a release and I went to junior college and I pitched um, a little bit. I just, I was a reliever. And once in a while I got a spot start here and there, but I think I was uh, one, one and 10 or something like that, you know, was, and, and they would just call me in. I'd be playing left field and they just call me in in the last inning to stop the game. And yeah. in Michigan, that's <laughs> not the smartest thing to do when you get, when it's, when it's 48 degrees out in the early part of the season and then they just call you and you get eight pitches right? and that's it. So I ended up, I ended up hurt my bicep, you know, bicep tendonitis terrible. I tried to pick Carly White, my, you know, mm -hmm. you get it. My arm hurt so bad. And, uh, and so I was like, I, I just don't want to pitch anymore. And so I went from a all state infielder playing short. I went to junior college and they put me in the outfield, which I, I couldn't ever figure out because, but I did it. And, uh, and then, um, uh, after my first year of junior college, uh, I had enough credit. So I transferred into a four-year school. I, I met this kid named John Hampton. Well, he was another kid who played in the area and uh, he was pretty good, you know, pretty decent ball player. And he was going to the school in uh, San Diego called United States International University. And it was a division one program. I'd never heard of it. I saw their schedule and I was like, these guys are legit. They're a legit independent. They play uh, Berkeley, Stanford, uh, Long Beach State, Fullerton, Santa Barbara, all the San Diego schools, Arizona, Arizona State. I was like, UCLA, SC. I'm like, oh, this, I'm going to here. So I, I ended up going there for a year. While I'm there, they declare bankruptcy. 
<laughs> the president, I just found this out. I, I, I know we declared bankruptcy when I was there, but I never heard the whole story. I thought it was money. I thought, I thought the basketball program was just draining us dry. Uh, the president of the university, he embezzled two and a half million dollars and pretty much bankrupt the university and he just vanished. They never found him. I don't even know if they found him this day, but they said, we're gonna cancel all our sports. So we're not gonna have sports. And George Kachigan, who's still around, he's a scout with the White Sox today. He's still around. Gotta be pushing about 90 now. He was the head coach there. Um, and he walked in and said, hey, how much is it gonna cost to play this season? And they said, it'll be about 26,000. He just pulled out his checkbook and wrote a check. And just yeah. said, we're playing. Yeah. And, and then he comes back and says, you guys are going to pay me back every penny. <laughs> we're like, he goes, and I got a plan. So, so we call him Skip. Skip was a former Navy guy, Navy skipper. And uh, he had a plan on how we're going to make all this money and, and, and pay, basically pay him back. Mm -hmm. So we sold Christmas trees. And then he also had, uh, our university was private. So to get on, we had these two big guys from like, I want to say like Nairobi out front. And these guys were dark, dark, and they had machine guns. And if you didn't have a pass to get on campus, you had to turn around and leave. And so Skip would give guys from the Padres and local major league players, he'd give them passes to come on and work out. So the press couldn't get on. These guys could actually get their workouts in and not be like hounded by people. You know, because if they go to a high school and somebody says, oh, look, somebody, they, you know, somebody can make a phone call and say, hey, uh, Matt Noakes is working out down here. Next thing you know, there's people down there and asking him. He couldn't get a workout in. So on our campus, though, he could get a workout in. And they, all these guys would come down and work out. I remember Eric Chow, um, uh, Bob Guerin, Yankee. Uh, Phil, I met Phil Plantier for the first time. He was with Boston. Maddie Noakes. Um, there's a bunch of guys from the Padres. I couldn't even remember all their names. Um, and then they were started talking. Well, those guys donated jerseys and balls and shoes. And so we had a big auction at the end and we auctioned off, you know, their signatures and we made a bunch of money from that. And by the end of the whole deal, we ended up making like $28,000 paid for our season. And we had a party and we invited all these people in the, in the off season. And, you know, and after the season was over, we invited all these people, some of them, you know, some of them, were able to come some of them were but they came some came it was cool and then but from there since i was we, you know basically our program's over the ncaa said you can be recruited by anybody like if you're playing long beach state and they want you it's open season because we've never had a division one school go bankrupt and cancel their program because division one schools don't do that and so i saw northridge come down and and uh, Bill Kernan and Northridge is this their, it was their 1991 was their first year division one when they walked on the field and they took when they took infield and outfield we were already beat and I said that's where I want to go I'm gonna go to Northridge and everybody was like North, have you ever seen this field and I go nope I don't care worst field in division ones they were voted the worst field <laughs> in division one baseball I didn't know that I didn't care I just liked the way they were like a fine-tuned military machine when they got on the field. And when they took infield, everybody had their, their jaws hit the ground. It was like, 
that was like perfect. And uh, we were already beat and they, they whooped their butts. They were, I think that first year division one, they were 15th in the country. They led the NCAA in pitching They had 51 complete games. Their guys were animals. Um, and they had two way pitchers. They had a guy named Schartz and a guy named Clayton who were infielders and they pitched and these guys were throwing complete games. They had amazing ERAs. Um, you know, and I thought this is a cool or, you know, it's cool. It's a cool setup. And then he talked, Bill Kernan talked to me and said, listen, uh, I was hitting leadoff at the time. Now I always wanted to be Ricky Henderson. You know, I always wanted to be that fast leadoff guy, but I wasn't fast, but I always wanted to be that leadoff hitter. And I always want to start the game off with a bomb and it'd be one, nothing. And that, I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Right. And so uh, I didn't think I was going to be leadoff hitting at this school, but, uh, and I came in as a switch hitter. So I was, you know, I right and left-handed, I didn't see a lot of left-handed pitching in high school, so I didn't have a lot of right-handed at-bats, and I wasn't as comfortable as I was left-handed. And they said, you're going to hit. You're going to be our leadoff guy because you're pretty – you know, you're, you're not slow. I wasn't slow by then, but you're going to be a leadoff guy. And, uh, you know, the coach told me to get huge in the offseason because he was going to move me from short to third. He said, you know, in the winter, he said, just eat and get huge. I don't care if you got any range. I just want you to bang. <laughs> and then and then when we declared bankruptcy the the shortstop he he said i'm not going i'm not going to waste a year here and then have to pick up somewhere for my senior year so he quit and then the coach calls me says oh you got to lose 20 pounds you got to play short and i was like <laughs> all i did all the winter was just work out every day and, and yeah. eat so i probably was up about a two probably about 210 and then he put me out there short and i i just couldn't get to everything i could before you know i just you know you Two tens of big. Range was below average. Range was, if you hit it at me, I was okay. <laughs> and then, uh, but I was just, I was just, and, and, my, and I was, I was always trying to get rid of the ball quick. Like I was trying to throw a guy out halfway down. When he was halfway down the line, I wanted to throw him out. So my, I was like, always like, boom, but my throws were all over the place. And that's another interesting story because we get, we get about 25 games into the season and I'm at short. And uh, he's like, I had 30 errors in 25 games. <laughs> and he's just going, I don't have anybody else to put there. Like, like you're the best we got. And so one day I show up, we had an off day, like a Monday. And I show up at the park and there's this little, this little guy with glasses there with, with uh, Skip. And, uh, and he goes, and it's just me and, and him. And he goes, uh, I brought somebody out here to work with you today. And he goes, and the guy goes, hi, I'm Jack McKeon. And I was like, I know who you are. <laughs> and he goes, I want to work with you today. And so Jack, after he threw me about five balls, you know, just rolled him from the infield. And he goes, okay, I know it's wrong. You know, and then we started, he just started working. He said, so you got to slow down. You know, he says, what's the most important thing? I said, field it, right? And he goes, field it. Yeah, you got to catch it first. Field it. You don't have any problem with the catching part. It's the throwing part you're horrible at. And I was like, He's like, slow down. Like, you know, do you know we at the major league level, we get that guy by one step every time. We always get him by one step. And he goes, do you see how many balls you get seen thrown away? And I go, not very many. He goes, okay. It's, 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 it's because it's designed for you to feel it, have enough time, and make a good crisp throw. Boom, you'll get him every time by one step. Now, if you fumble the ball or something like that, that's a different story. You might not get him, or you might have to rush a throw or you know, whatever you know, tough pit, tough balls up the middle, you might have to get rid of it because, you know, you had to take two extra steps, which gives him more time to get down the line. 
he goes, but if it's a routine play, take your time, set up, make good throw. Mm -hmm. And so I started to do that. And then from there, I didn't make any more errors. The rest of the season, I didn't have another error. And double plays or anything like that. Double plays were another thing because I was trying to like, just get rid of the ball as quick as I could. I didn't have to anymore. I actually took my time, cleared myself, and I would throw a strike over to first base. And I, sure enough, I'd get that guy by a step, half step. And uh, that changed everything. When that, when that happened, I started to play like way better. Confidence went up. I wasn't so worried about the throws anymore. And uh, so, you know, Jack McKeon, you know, one guy, just one guy taking some time out of his day to show me some stuff. And then I just applied it. It, it, it changed the way I played shortstop. Um, and, you know, and, and that was the same way with when eventually let's fast forward. So I get through Northridge and I do well. I lead the team in hitting um, my senior year. Uh, I don't get drafted. Everybody else on my team gets drafted. I don't get drafted. And I think part of that was because some decisions I had made, poor decisions I had made my, you know, my junior you know, my sophomore, my junior year and stuff like that. I like to party. And um, my senior year when I came in, I didn't, uh, I didn't party anymore. I, I didn't drink anymore. I was, I was clean. I didn't drink. I didn't go out and party on at, at all. And, um, you know, I was serious. I, I really got focused what I wanted to do because I didn't get drafted. You know, my junior, I thought, well, I'll get drafted. I didn't get drafted. And I was like, well, and I, like I said, I was, I was, I was upset, you know, uh, we went to the regionals at Wichita State that year in, in, in 2002 and uh, – or not – or not 1992. And, uh, you know, guys, were, we're, 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 we're an elimination game with Minnesota, and we're killing them. And guys are sixth inning. Guys are, like, high, yipping around, high five. And I said, guys, this is only sixth inning. You know, buckle it down. This game ain't over yet. And they – you know, I had these younger underclassmen just look at me and give me the bird and say – <laughs> lighten up Shep and I'm just like what like are you kidding a lot of me? game left right I'm like you know and you know I had I carried around a three by five index card that said the very top line was said to 1992 national champion like that's what I thought I was the national champion and that's where I wanted to go and then uh long story short one of those smart Alec guys he's pitching in like the bottom of the eighth and he gives up the go-ahead grand slam on a pinch hit and we lose and we get eliminated by minnesota of all teams we get you know uh my i think my i think uh who is it uh fever's boy was on that team or something like that um you know it, it was just one of those things we shouldn't have lost that game and, and so when when, when uh, that was over you want to talk about like depressed I think I was depressed I think I was suffering from that because you know goal number one goal just scratch it off the list it ain't gonna happen and uh, uh you know and I went on a little I went on a little I went on a little bender and then one day I just realized that I went to a trial with the Reds and I just it was horrible I mean I couldn't run I was I was just seeing my I was seeing my performance start to decline and I said I know what I know what the deal is here and let's get in shape. Let's clean your life up. Let's, let's just get focused on really what I want. And what I want is I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be a national champion. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. I didn't want to be just the average guy. So once I got really clear and focused on that and I set myself up some goals and, and some boundaries, sky was limited. And what I noticed was when I was clean and playing was my performance wasn't like this 
my performance was always kind of just level. You know, I'd have good days and really good days, but my bad days weren't so bad. I remember when I was partying, I'd have good days and really bad days just because I didn't feel good and I didn't play good. So I just said, oh, I'm not going to feel that way anymore. And my performance just continued to just kind of, you know, rise. Okay. And, and I think that the scouts were like, well, this guy might, you know, he's got a little history of, you know, he likes to party. So we're not going to take a chance with him. And LA Times did a big article on it. And I was on the front page of LA Times for sports section for, and it basically said Shepard's clean and cleaning up. And it basically talked about that whole thing about me cleaning up my life. And that's all I wanted to, you know, people to know that I was like, this is what I was serious about. But, you know, people don't always look at it that way. They think, well, the guy's got a problem. He's going to be a problem. You know, if he's making big money, he's just going to be a bigger problem. So they didn't take any chance. So I didn't get drafted. And I started, uh, uh, shortly after that, you know, 1994, we got the Northridge earthquake, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm in in school trying to finish school. Um, I'm training for the LA marathon. I'm still looking to get picked up, and uh, I ended up moving to Santa Barbara, working with West Coast Baseball School, and uh, opening up the academy up there. And I run into um, the head coach of Santa Barbara, who he wanted me to play for him when I was at uh, United States International. And he's like, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just doing some scouting and I'm doing some instruction. He goes, you need to be playing. There's no reason that you shouldn't be playing. You're, you're that good. And he said, let me make a phone call. So he makes a phone call and he goes, I got you a tryout. So now I go to a tryout and a team called Palm Springs Promise. And I made that club and it was a summer, you know, just an independent team that was, wasn't affiliated with any league. All we did was play college all-star teams all summer got paid and then my next year I, I uh, was a strike year and um, I'm talking with Baltimore and uh, Toronto and I'm uh, working out with a team called Palm Springs Suns and during an at-bat I swing at a pitch and I feel something in my hand snap and I get down to first base and I'm like man my hand now my palms turning red and I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. And Lee Lacey's coach at first base, and he's all, nice hit, kid. And I'm like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> and, he, and I'm like, Lee, I think I broke my hand. And Lee just kind of walked, turned and walked away. It was like, oh, I think I probably broke it even worse. Right. And so no spring training. You know, I, I, you know, I broke my hemate bone in my hand. So no spring training now. I'm not going to. But that was a blessing because I didn't walk the line or anything like that. Um, so now we go you know, spring training's happening and all these guys are crossing the line and um, I'm healing up and about May, uh, I'm still looking for a job. And uh, Rick Odekirk, who's a big guy in that, you know, Rick Odekirk is out of the Palm Springs area, but he was one of the, I, I'm, I thought he was the one that started Big League Dreams in Southern California, okay. or he's one of the guys. And Rick was a 10-year veteran, played, Played in the minor leagues for 10 years. He was a left-handed. He's got to be five foot seven, five foot eight, left-handed knuckleballer. Mm. And he just found a niche. And he said, Greg, I called every minor league organization and I asked them if they needed a left-handed knuckleballer until I found one that was like, uh, we'll try you. Come on out. And he did it. He made a club. And then from there, he stick around for a year or two. And then, you know, he'd go and, you know, now he had experience and he'd go to another club and he ended up hanging out for about 10 years in the minor leagues. So, he said, that's what I did. I called every organization. So that's what I did. I called every organization. And then uh, 
and then I ran into gatekeepers, people that say that wouldn't even let me talk to those people that I want to talk to. So mm -hmm. then I started making up stuff like I was a reporter. And then they would say, oh, look, I'd like to schedule an interview. And then I'd get on the phone with the guy and say, and, and I'd say, listen, don't hang up on me. You know, my name's Greg Shepard and I'm a professional hitter. And I'd like to, you know, know if you have any spots in your organization. And <laughs> they were cool with it. They were like, I like your approach, kid, but I, we don't have anybody. So no organizations. And Rick goes, I got this one last guy. His name's Jason Felice. Do you ever heard of Jason Felice? And I had heard of Jason Felice. He was a, uh, he was kind of a legend in the Valley. Uh, he was like a six round draft pick out of Canyon, I think College of Canyon or something like that. Uh, big, big dude, six, three. Um, and I saw Jason at the first time at a Northern league tryout and he was like, I, I made fun of him. I prejudged him. He was, he didn't have a, he didn't have a glove. He had a bat, one bat, he had a small cooler and he was pulling his nephew and I thought it was his son. And his pants were, he didn't look like a ball player. He, you know, he, looked, like, he looked like a softball player that was trying out for a baseball yeah. team. And I was like, what the heck is this? And I said, well, I'm, I'm definitely going to run against that guy in the 60. <laughs> On your mark, get set. Pew, he kicked my butt. He ran a 6'6". Six, six. I ran a 6'9". And I was like, like tappy. He smoked <laughs> me. All I could see was this guy, who, you know, he was way ahead of me. And I was like, who is this guy? And then we get in the game, and uh, there's some, you know, there's we've got some AAA guys, lefty from AAA Phillies throwing, and he's, you know, 91, right around 91. Jason gets in there, he's got this weird, weird front foot open stance, and he's like, he like, you see him, and he goes, and I'm like, oh my gosh, first pitch, and I was like, who is this guy? And everybody's like, everybody's like, don't you know who that is? That's Jason Felice, and I'm like. Oh, this guy's amazing. And uh, they're like, yeah, that guy hit 50 home runs one year. And the triple head was like, what? <laughs> like, Why is he here? Goofy-ass stance. And he's like, they're like, yeah. And I was like, after that, I was like, Jason, please. And so, so Rick goes, listen, my, I play with Jason. So in the strike year, Rick plays. He goes and signs with the, with the Cubs. And. You know, Rick, Rick's got to be 35, 36 years old. He signs with the Cubs, and he's, he's, he's pitching in the in – the, he's walked the line. He doesn't care. He just, it, and, and he goes, I play with this guy named Jason Felice. And I go, I know Jason. And so he goes, I got his number here. He's going to be coaching a team up in Regina, Saskatchewan, in the Prairie League. And I go, okay. So I call Jason, and Jason goes, I know who you are. You're from Northridge. And I go, yeah. He goes, come on out. So I go on out. My hand's still a little bit tender, and uh, I – can't hit at all. <laughs> can't hit a lick. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And he goes, listen, Greg, if you can't hit, I can't, I have no use for you. If you can't, you know, and I go, I, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm literally out <laughs> staying outside the case going, oh Lord, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you said if any time I needed saving, you would be there for me. And I need some saving right now. And I got back in the cage. And I smashed. <laughs> and he's like, that's good. Here's your contract. And it, just like that. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thanks for helping me out there. I needed some saving bat. I'm telling you, my hand was killing me. It didn't hurt anymore. And I couldn't hit a fair ball. And, and all of a sudden, I'm, he goes, you just hit like 12 balls out of our park. And we were at Pierce College. And Pierce is pretty big. And I was like, sweet. Mm -hmm. So I went up to Canada. And Jason was just managing. He was a manager. 
And like the third game of the season, he comes in and goes, you're released. And he releases some guy and he goes, I just activated myself. You guys can't win without me. And I was like, yeah. And everybody's like. <laughs> now he's a player manager. And I go, they're like, I go, don't worry. You want this guy on your team. And no joke. He played 50. We played 80 game season. He played 56 games. And uh, he had 80 RBIs, 20 bombs. And he would steal second base like standing up. Like this is a pro level, by the way. He's stealing second base and he wouldn't even slide. And I'm just like, he could do, he was just, his baseball intellect was really, really good. He, he could tell when he, you know, he knew when the guy was going to pick his foot up before the guy picked his foot up, he'd take off running. The guy would still pick his foot up and mm -hmm. he, he didn't have a chance. It was, it was amazing. He never played the field. He just DH. And then he would coach third during the game. <laughs> he's giving up signs and then you got to, he's got to run off the field and, and, uh, and go hit. Like, so he's cool. not playing any defense. No, he didn't play any defense. I'm just DHing. Just DHing. Okay. Yeah. Smart man. And so, and so we, that Regina team, you know, we end up, uh, we end up winning the Prairie League title that year, and we beat a team named Aberdeen Pheasants. And Aberdeen was like, in a short season, 80-game short season, they were like 67-13. and 13. Mm. They had legit – pitching staff their their team was all double a triple a guys that had been released they had you know they had names uh they had a lot of name guys they had some guys that had some big league time you know but a lot of like up and coming players and we ended up just being hot and uh and and beating them and winning and winning it all and un unlikely story unlikely story is we got a kid um play second base said he'd never hit a home he had a home run in high school He'd been playing pro ball for about four years. Was just that slappy second baseman guy. Good contact hitter, but no power at all. Like outfielders played him about 220. <laughs> and, you know, and they'd try, you know, if he hit a ball through the, through the right side, the other way, right-handed, you might throw him out at first base and right field. I mean, that's how shallow they didn't. They had no respect for him. But he came up and we were in the 11th inning and uh, he popped the ball and it cleared the fence by one foot. Mm. and and only home only only home run he'd ever hit college or professionally and it was the biggest one and we ended up beating them and we, we ended up taking them in a in a best out it was a five game you know i think it was a five game final or something like that with best three out of five and we ended up we ended up beating them at, the, at their place and, and taking the title from them so it was amazing and then fast forward the next year i'm uh uh I'm back in Palmdale, California, living with my hitting guy, doing lessons, getting ready for the season, training. I'd already signed a contract with a team out of Tennessee called Tomahawks, and it was the best money I'd ever made. And um, this guy named Dennis Talbot calls me and says, I want to be your agent. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like, I'm some independent guy. You know, he goes, no, 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 no. Some of the guys you play with, I represent. And uh, they're from organizations. And they say, I was looking for guys that he, they thought were going to be, you know, be able to get to that next level. And they, they said your name, not just one guy, there was multiple guys. And I said, well, all right, Dennis, I can't pay you anything. He goes, no, you don't have to pay me until whatever, you know, if you get to the big leagues, then we work that stuff out. Great. Mm -hmm. And a couple of days later, he, you know, after he, he sends me this contract for Tennessee, I sign it, I send it off. A couple of days later, he talks to me and goes, Hey, what'd you do with that contract? And I go, I already mailed it off. He goes, we got to intercept it. I think I got you a job with the White Sox. And um, 
so that that goes back to that, that goes to a whole nother story and this the side story is this i went and worked out with the cubs um when their camp broke in 96 or yeah yeah 96 so camp breaks i go down i work out with them get a private workout and they put me in a basically they're just going to watch me hit and, and then i was going to take some ground balls or whatever and uh, throw some balls from behind the plate um and i get down there and it's matt franco tyler houston and dave magadan now i was grew up watching dave magadan play short and dave was giant he was a giant to me he was he's gotta be six seven six eight full of energy just ah. <laughs> we get in there and they start throw bp and and this is the first time I've faced BP from a, you know, a major league guy that throws BP and he's chucking like, you know, he's 50 feet, 40 feet away and he's putting it in there. Like I'm like foul ball, foul ball, foul ball. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm supposed to be hitting. And Tom Gamboa was their minor league director. He was the one that, that he was doing a favor for a friend of mine. And Tom's just like, <laughs> and Max, Dave Magadan gets out and goes, Hey man, you got a sweet swing. You just got to catch up to this, you know, start a little sooner. You'll be fine. And uh, you know, those big fields at Hohokam on the side, you know, they're 360 down the lines of four, four, five, eight, and <laughs> I don't know. They're huge. So, right. you know, those guys are just banging the balls off the wall, left and right, nagging and popping them out. And then finally my second round I get in and now I'm going the opposite field. I'm, I'm not even getting around on this guy. Mm -hmm. I'm going opposite field and hitting, one hoppers off the wall, hit, catching the top of the wall, you know, dead center, just driving balls up the middle and stuff. And uh, uh, Mags, Magnin walks out and goes, Gammy, you got to sign this lefty. This guy's got a sweet stroke and he can, he can pound the ball. And Tom Gamboa goes, ah, he's too old. <laughs> I'm like 23. Yeah. Dave Magnin goes, too old. What am I? You know, Dave's got, what hair left he has is all gray. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. I, Dave, you're a veteran. You're a seasoned veteran. <laughs> you know, this is an upcoming guy. And I was like, pissed. I was like, pissed. So I finished my round, whatever. And I just literally turned and I looked at Tom Gamboa and I go, well, maybe the White Sox will sign me. And I just picked up my gear and I left. Mm. Mm. So putting it out there, just putting it out there. And all of a sudden, eight days later, I get a call. The White Sox want to sign me. And I was like, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of things about you talk about that, you know, you're dealing with that mental edge. And I think that sometimes we don't, I've been playing professional baseball, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't where I wanted to be. And I never can ever remember. I always say, I want to play professional baseball. I want to play professional baseball. I never said, I want to play professional baseball in mm -hmm. A major league organization yeah. or a specific, you know, a specific organization. Until that moment, I never really expressed that. And at that moment, I was like 100% clear. I didn't want to be a Cub. I was going to be, I wanted, I, you know, maybe the White Sox will take me. And mm -hmm. it just happened. And I look back at my life sometimes and I think of how many times I've actually professed what I really wanted in a, you know, in a, in a pivotal moment. And then only later to have it actually come to me that way. Hmm. And, and I think that's how prayer works. I, I think, I think with prayer, if you're general, you'll get a general, you know, 
you'll get a general thing. But if you're very specific, you absolutely get that specific thing. It's like God's like just going, hey, I'm here, I'm listening. And you just say, you need a little money. Okay. And all of a sudden I get pick up something and it gives me a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, he's, and God's like, see, I did it. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm still not happy. You know, instead of being like, thank you, God, like in that moment, actually understanding that, that it was given to me um, by him. And so I really started to get, at that moment, I really started to get specific about stuff. And so when I went to the White Sox, by the time I got to the White Sox, um, you know, I, I literally showed up at seven o'clock. I got to the park at seven o'clock that night. They're already, first pitch is already getting thrown. And I'm up in the press booth signing my contract, getting my, get my $5 tops checks. And, uh, and they're like, get him in gear and get him in the bullpen because they signed me as a catcher. Now, the true story about this was I was, a, I was learning how to catch. I'm, I'm 24 years old. I'm learning how to catch. I'm not a catcher. And, but I could play the corners. I could play just about every infield position. I hate second base. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I, just don't, I just don't like the angle. I don't mind first. I don't mind third. I don't short. And I can play the outfield corners. But don't put me in center because that's a, that's a special breed of – that's a special breed of guy that plays center field that can just read that ball and get that jump. That's not me. Um, that was the only position I, I never logged a, an inning at center field at the professional level, but I have a, I even have one inning pitch. I have a 27 <laughs> ERA and, but I played every position at the professional level. And their big thing was when the White Sox signed me, it wasn't because they saw me. The White Sox signed me because Mark Johnson, the number one draft pick catcher, Jeff Leeford, number one draft pick third baseman and Mario, uh, Valdez, who was leading the Midwest League in hitting all left-handed hitters, mm-hmm. all got hurt in the same week. Mm. Mark had to have surgery. He got hit with a ball underneath his cup, foul ball, caught under his cup, ripped his taint there. He had to have it sewn up. <laughs> Leifer tore his rotator cuff, and Mario was sliding into second, and he head first slide, and he caught his wrist. And, he, and these guys, they needed a guy who could play the corners and hit, and come in and hit. And I was kind of or two like a two-year vet I wasn't you know to me to me I was like perfect I'm perfect for this job and the guy's like can you catch and I'm like yeah yeah sure I can catch (laughs) do you guys have gear for me I don't have any gear I said I said I don't have gear and uh I borrowed a glove from a kid named Josh uh smaller who's you know he was a he was who I play I played with him in Regina and he was a year behind me at uh Northridge and he gave me an extra glove so I have this Louisville slugger glove and I get there and they put me in the gear and like, I really walk in the dugout and the guy's like, Oh, you got a bullpen catcher. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. Something like that. And, and then I go down and I start catching. Well, never, never seeing this before, never seeing like this kind of pitching before um, just as a hitter, never as like a catcher. I look like a cat playing with a ball, like mm-hmm. curveballs. I'm like here and I see the curveball and I'm like, Ooh, Ooh. Yeah. And I'm like all over my thumbs killing me because I can't catch him right and I'm like oh gosh what have I got myself into and but I knew hitters so for me to watch a guy hitting and I could say oh, I see what's going on I can find I know the hole in his swing already that was that that saved my butt and so I'm there and all I'm doing is like pinch hit 
you know, pinch hit one day. I'm catching bullpens. That's all I do is catch bullpens, you know, and they're seeing that I can play all the different positions. So they're starting to mix me in a little bit. And then uh, they keep giving me these pinch hits and I'd come in in eighth or ninth inning, you know, pinch hit, boom, base hit, boom, base hit. And they're like, this guy sits around all day. And then, and, you know, I just, we, we like him. And my hitting guy was, Rance Mullenix was my hitting guy, but he had had, uh, an, he had an appendicitis. So he was out and kind of, we had Greg Ritchie there. Um, and, and so Greg was just like, I love this kid, man. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a kid though. I'm like 24. Um, and, you know, most of the guys I'm playing with in this level are like 22, 18, 19, 22. I'm like the old guy on the team. And, um, and I'm just like, guys, it's not that big a deal. They just go up there, look for your pitch, and don't miss it. And so, and, and, I, would, and I would laugh at them. I'd say, I, I'll fall out of bed and hit 300 in this league. And they would laugh like, oh, you won't. Who, who, the, who the heck are you? you know? And I'd just say, okay. And listen, I didn't go to spring training. And, and, the, and Dave Heller didn't know I wasn't a White Sox. He didn't know I was a free agent signee. He thought, I was, he thought they brought me in from extended. Mm-hmm. he didn't know who I was so we go to we go to uh uh Fort Wayne and I get to the park and I'm like I look at the thing and I'm like hitting night catching are you kidding me I'm like about ready to throw up yeah and I'm like first time ever right first time behind a game in a professional game like really catching catching a game and I got this kid named Ariel Garcia from Panama through 94 <laughs> he had a major league changeup, and his breaking ball was like 88 and just spun. Mm-hmm. It just went straight and just spun. I don't know how it didn't move, but it was a bad pitch to throw. Mm-hmm. And so, and he had had some back problems, so he was struggling. And I get back there, and I literally, my first game, we have uh, no hit baseball through six innings, which is good because I don't have anybody on base. He didn't walk anybody. I don't got to throw anybody out. I don't have. He, he didn't even throw a ball in the dirt. I don't think. And then the seventh inning, now he he started to get tired. And the whole time, like they keep telling me to look in the dugout, and I'm like looking in the dugout, and they're giving me these signs. I don't know what these signs are. I have no <laughs> idea. And they're yelling at me like, "Get this, get the sign." And I'm like, and I look at them, and I'd be come back, and I'd be like, "We're throwing a fastball here." And those weren't, you know. But that night. Ariel was like one, two, three, four. He could hit his spots. And, and he, when he left the game, he had 88 pitches. He had, no joke, 80 fastballs and eight changeups. <laughs> and we had, he didn't get start getting hit till the seventh. And he didn't really get hit. He got wild. Mm-hmm. And so he started putting guys on. Well, I almost hit him in the back of the head with the first throw that I threw um, when the guy stole. And then the next time, the guy threw it into center field. I wasn't even close. Blocking a ball was like, I would just throw my body. I was like this. Just, uh, and With a little, little scream. Oh, I was like scared. I was like, how do guys do this? I was yeah. like, this is crazy. And then they literally in the middle of the seventh inning, I, they, I hear time and I look and there's another catcher walking out. And he goes, <laughs> he's like, uh, you're, you're done. <laughs> and I literally went back in the dugout and I got my butt chewed. And the guy's like, you know, you don't even know this. You don't even you're putting down your own signs. You don't even know the defense. And I said, exactly. Yeah. I don't even know your system. I've been here a week. No, no pregame. Like this is our game plan. These are our signs. Nothing, nothing like that. No, no, <laughs> nothing. 
they thought I knew all this stuff. And I'm like, guys, I'm a free agent. They're like, what? We didn't, you didn't come from, 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 uh, from Sarasota. And I'm like, nope, I, I was a free agent. I came from California. And they're like, oh, here we go. Next day, I got Tommy Thompson, who's the roving catching guy. He's like, wherever I go, you go for the next two weeks. And I had him. And, I, and he was like, gave me like two-week crash course in catching, yeah. which, you know, was, was amazing. Um, you know, he would set the Ponzi machine up, that little Hummer, you know, that just throws those fly balls sometimes. Mm. But they would use it for catching, and he, they'd feed multiple balls on it, and you'd, you'd like – catch it drop it catch it drop it catch it drop it we would turn that thing up to be it was like a 40 feet away and he was probably throwing 110 mm -hmm. and the first ball i'd catch and by the time i'm dropping the second ball the next ball's hit me in the face and i'm like oh, and then he's throwing the next ball's hit me in the chest and i'm like oh 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 you know but by the end of it it was just bang 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 bang, bang. but he, he he was merciless on me and uh they you know i had to learn the system which that took a little bit of time because um, that was just something, it's just something you, 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 it takes a little bit of time to pick up that kind of a system. Um, and then I, and eventually I did and, and they loved and they, uh, Heller loved me. The fact that he had a guy he could put out in any position, it, he, he used me too. You know, if we had a guy that was, you know, messing around that next day, I'd be out of his position taking ground balls and the guy would go, what are you doing here? Ah, oh, Heller told me to take some ground balls a second. I might be out playing some second. That guy, he would, he would, up his game, dialed up, yeah, dialed back in, yeah. and and uh, Heller's like, that's how, and he told me one day, he says, "That's how I'm going to use you." He goes, "Listen, you're not going to get a lot of playing time," and then so we had an interesting. We had, we, it, I I was telling these guys I had a, a a month and a half long hit streak. So so I, I I was, but it was one week, one week, one. I got one at bat, one at bat, <laughs> one at bat. And then I got like a start where a guy gets sick and uh, he, he, he was literally like throwing up at the park. And so they're like, you're playing third tonight. And I was like, oh. and uh, I was, you know, I hadn't played third at hardly at all. So first ball hits me. I got no, I got weird feet. I throw it into, you know, double play ball. I throw it into right field. I'm not even close. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, but, but I got uh, in that game, I got three hits. No, I got four. I was four for four for four, and three of them didn't leave the infield. So the first ball I hit up, I hit it up the middle, and the shortstop's getting ready to make the play, and it caught the bag and shot behind him, and it just stayed in the infield. I got an infield single. My next one, I hit a, a like a short hop, and it caught the rubber, and it went straight up in the air, and the catcher pitcher caught it, and I was already at first base. Mm. And I'm two for two, thinking I ain't got a ball the infield. Then he sawed me off terrible. I inside I had a ball the third down third baseline and it caught the corner of the bag and then kicked foul. It kicked it out of territory. I got a ground rule double <laughs> because it went out of play. I think it's a ground rule double. And uh, and then my last that bad, I was finally like really starting to see the ball. And I smashed one into right field over this over the right fielder's head. And he plays it off the wall perfect. Bounces, hits the wall, bounces right to him, he bare hands and I'm halfway to second and I see the ball hit the bag and I was like, Oh crap, I got to turn around. And he threw me out at first, but I ended up going four for four that night. So I'm like eight for eight. Mm. And then, uh, and then we go to Grand Rapids and I go like one, one for one with two walks. 
and then we go into, I don't play again until we go into the next city. We get into Tri-Cities at night, and uh, I'm four for four. My first four at-bats, I'm four for four. And my fifth at-bat, I hit probably one of the better balls I hit that night in between short and third, and the third baseman lays out and just made a diving catch at the last second. So he stopped me. I had like 13, 13 consecutive hits in a row. Mm. And then the next night, then the next night I went, Two, two for two with two walks again and they're like uh steve noarita the guy that signed me said greg i'm gonna keep you in the lineup you're gonna get in the lineup every day now and so in august it was august i i played i was in the lineup every day now for the rest of the season and uh he said i'm 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 ecstatic like like i didn't think i was gonna get i didn't think that you were this type of player um i'm i'm happy more than happy of what you've done. And I can guarantee that you get an invite to spring training this year, a chance to earn yourself a, another job. Mm. And I was like, thank you. That's all I wanted. Right. And that's all I told him. I said, just give me a shot. I don't care. He said, you, and when he signed me, he said, you're never going to play. I don't, can't even guarantee you get a hundred at bats. I think I got 139 and they all came at the end of the end of the season. And um, he said, but I'm happy. And then I go to spring training in Sarasota in 97. Um, and I, was playing fast pitch softball in the off season and I was in great shape. Um, the fast pitch softball trained me to actually pick up the ball a little bit quicker because the guys on top of you throwing really hard and spring training was easy for me. I was all over guys. And the last week I'm not even playing anymore. And you know, you start to see the guys, the guys are going to take, they're playing all the time. And then the guys are not, I kept walking in the clubhouse expecting that red tick, you know, red tag in my locker and all my stuff to be packed up. And uh, we get down to the last day and Rance Mullenix had called Chris Crone, who was going to be the manager in Hickory and said, uh, and Rance had left the White Sox and he, I think he was in Texas and he called and he says, where's Shepard? And he goes, who? He goes, she Greg Shepard. He goes, is he on your roster? And he goes, no. He goes, put him on your roster. Do it as a favor for me. And, Chris is like, but I don't even know who this guy is. He goes, don't worry. Don't worry about it. He'll make your team better. And so Chris called me in the last day and all the rosters are on the board. I don't have a tag in my locker. I don't have a team. I'm thinking, where am I going? Like, am I going to stay back? And then, then I get the call. Hey, Chris Crowe wants to see it. I'm thinking, why does this guy want to see me? Shouldn't I be going into the, to like Kenny Williams office or something? They're going to release me. And Crowley goes, listen, you got a, you got a, you got a guardian angel. Uh, I'm going to put you on my roster. And then he walked out of the hallway and wrote my name on the roster with a hand. Mm. And he goes, you're going to Hickory. And I was like, sweet. And he goes, give, just, he says, don't give me a reason. Like, don't give me a reason to get rid of you. Like, give me a reason to get you in the lineup every night. Okay. Mm. And I was like, yes, sir. I'll do whatever, you know, whatever it takes. So I would just catch bullpens and, it, it just started that way. I was just catching bullpens and I was maybe getting maybe one day a week, the first couple of weeks. And then he would right-handed guy pitch start the game. And then I'd be in the bullpen all night. And then all of a sudden, uh, or left hand, maybe a left-hander started. And then they'd switch in the, you know, eight, ninth inning, we might be down a run or two and they'd switch to a righty and he'd call me down and say, I need to pinch hit. And then I'd go up, pinch hit. And I started producing and he was like, oh, and he started to use me as a, like that kind of a guy, a pinch hit. And, and then after a while, um, you know, all-star break, I'm not in the, in the leaderboards, but I'm still hitting. 
high, high 300, like 368. I'm not in the leaderboards because I don't have enough at bats. And we go on the road to uh, Asheville and I'm working on some, I just read Tony Gwynn's hitting book actually. And uh, I, I never, I never stop. I never stopped trying to pick up information. So mm-hmm. I started to read Tony Gwynn's hitting book and I had read Ted Williams book and Tony was always talking about how he's uh, when he's working, he's always early on. He's working inside out, inside out, inside out. So his first couple rounds are, he never hit the ball the right side, always the left side. And I kept thinking, well, that's a pretty good solid pr- approach. So I was doing that in VP and Dallas Williams is yelling at me going, you're not getting through the ball. You're not getting through the ball. And I said, Dallas, I'm, I'm working on something here. And he's like, I don't give a crap. You're not getting through the ball. And I go, Dallas, I'll get through the ball. When I'm ready to get through the ball, I'm working on something here. And I just kept hitting balls to shortstop, shortstop, <laughs> left field. And he's yelling at me. And then Kenny Williams is there. So Kenny's the player director now. And he's like, pulls me off to the side and says, hey, man, you can't talk to a coach like that. And I said, I'm sorry, Kenny. No disrespect. But I'm, I'm working on something. He goes, well, we got stuff you got to work on, too. You got to do that. And I'm like, yes, sir. So then I got back in the box for like my last two rounds. And I said, Dallas, I'm going to get through the ball now. And I literally st- just every other ball was leaving the yard. I was right. launching them. And then Kenny was like, that, that was impressive. He goes, that was impressive. <laughs> he goes, listen, where do you want to play? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure you're in the lineup every night now. And I was like, right field, left field, first base, DH. And then I said, I think I said, uh, catch. And he's like, oh, no, you're not going to catch. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, whatever. You know, get, just, and he goes, okay. He goes, okay. I think I said, throw a third base. Joe Creedy was over there. I go, third base. He goes, oh, no, you're, you're not going to play third base. We got, we got a guy there. <laughs> and, um, and he says, I'll, I'll figure it out. So I was either playing first or I was, you know, picking up the DH spot. Um, you know, right field, they put me right. Not too much left. We had a good guy out. Jeff England was out there. He was one of the best guys I'd ever, one of the best hitters I ever played with. Um, and so then I got in there. I finished in the top. 10 and hitting that year, um, tied for ninth with uh, Ryan Miner. And, and the next year, they're like, you know, you're coming back. You're going to get a chance to earn another job. And so I just kept coming back. And Chrome went to Winston, and I went with him. And then um, then he left the organization, and I went back to Winston, where left-handed hitters go to die. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's the worst <laughs> worst park for left-handed hitters. I know so many left-handed hitters that have just gone there, and they just never got out of there because it was such a – I thought it was the worst hitting background for a lefty. We had a light, we had a street light over the fence that could come out of the pitcher's hand right, and you wouldn't right. even see the ball. And Mark Johnson used to shoot it out with a BB gun until he got caught. And, you know, <laughs> I'm just like, just put, put, put a board up on the fence just yeah. a little bit higher that just covers that light. We had, we had to do that in Nashville my first year. I'm like, how you played in Nashville, right? No. That you're playing Nashville? It was, that, it was, uh, a, it was, we were the Pirates for a while, then it became the Brewers, but yeah, in center field, there was – you couldn't – the fence was so low, all you could see was the background of just nothing, and it blended in perfectly with the ball. <laughs> so we, we had enough. It was myself, Aramis Ramirez, a couple other players. Um, some, we had some veterans get on our – we told our coach, Trent Jewett, like, hey, like, we can't see the ball. You know, you have, like, a day or two of games or scrimmages before you start <laughs> the season. We're like, that's got to change. And so – um, a couple of the guys were like, hey, well, you're the top prospect. You and 
Ron Wright and Aramis Ramirez, like, you go tell Trent Jewett. Like, we can't see the ball. <laughs> so, but, yeah, back to your story. Did, so, did they put something up for them? Oh, yeah, it was up the next day. Big hitter's eye or something? Yeah, oh. it, it was, you know, an extra, I don't know, probably 10 or 12 feet of just big boards that were, you know, probably three boards wide where you can at least have a chance. So, it was interesting. Yeah, we – I eventually, I think Winston-Salem built a new park, but – yeah, there were some, you know, there were some really good left-handed guys that I played with that went there and uh, Mark Johnson like walked a hundred times and he's, and you know, he ended up hitting like 302 or something there. And I said, well, how'd you, I like Mark, how'd you do it? He goes, I went and shot that out with my BB gun. I shot That's it out right. until I got caught when they like set up a sting or something and they saw <laughs> him do it and then they swooped in on him and he's like, I can't see the ball, you know? And but he said after that, he just walked a lot more because he, he took a lot more pitches. Cause he said, I didn't see the ball, you know, and I literally maybe some nights if the guy had the right angle, he, he could get his hand right in it and let go of that ball. And I'd be at the plate and I would like dive out. Like he was going to hit me in the head and the catch would be like right down the middle. And he'd be like, where are you going? And I'm like, I thought it was going to hit me in the head. <laughs> but That's great. But fun, you know, but but so like, you know, I, I had a great minor league career. Um, I was never, I was never a prospect. You know, I'm, I was a suspect all the time. I didn't, you know, they didn't have any big money in me. Um, you know, that, they always said this though, you're going to get the same education as a number one draft pick. They never, but they never promised me the same opportunity mm -hmm. because when every time, you know, I could be out hitting one of those guys, um, but still that guy was going to play. And, and I was, I was okay with it. Um, I liked independent ball because it's about numbers. You put up the numbers, you're going to play. If you, if, if you don't, you're gone. Mm -hmm. So you'd see 25 roster changes in a year. Um, I always felt good that I wasn't on this, any of those changes. And uh, I, I was, you know, I was, I was always there from this time the season started to end of it. So obviously it was, it was some, I was doing something right. Yeah, my, probably one of my most fun years was was my was in 2000 in Regina because I went in as a catcher and I kept telling John Bebas, I'm the catcher. There's the only way I'm getting back into Major League Baseball is as a catcher. It's not going to be as a power hitting first baseman <laughs> because I, I I'm average. I'm an average power guy. Um, you know, I'm not and I'm not, you know, I'm big now, but that's because I'm fat. I'm older and I'm, you know, 50 years old and I packed on some weight, you know, and. What was, you know, your, was, what was your playing size then for our audience? What, what was that? About two, about 215, 220. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. I'm 250 now. So, but um, <laughs> when I came, when I first started the White Sox, I was like 190. You know, I was, just, I got my, I was skinny. I'd been, I'd been running and, uh, you know, I'd, I had been really running. I had some knee problems and I was about the only thing I could do was after I got healthy was run. I didn't have access to a lot of other stuff. I was in Michigan. So I was, I'd lost a lot of weight. I'd drastically changed my diet and just all this weight just came off me. And then, but as I started to catch and stuff like that and, um, and there, you know, it, we had a really good, really good training program. You know, even the White Sox today, Alan Thomas is running it. He's their guy in the, at the major league level. And Alan was one of my teammates and he was already like, you know, that was his stuff. He was a workout guy. And um, they, they, 
I, I think that I probably got to work out with some of the best trainers in the game. Um, Vern Gambetta was, was the head guy when I was there. I still use Vern's protocols for shoulder training and stuff like that. I use a body blade and, um, you know, for stabilization and stuff like that for people with, with the shoulder issues. Um, today I'm a chiropractor, you know, I, I, I'm neuromuscular skeletal specialist. I, it's taken me a couple years, but now I'm starting to see more of the high school and now college players are coming in to see me. Um, I interned with Eric Blum, who was the, was the head chiropractor with the Dodgers uh, in 2014, 15. Um, and I learned a lot from Eric. He's in the West. He, he has a practice in uh, Westlake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a lot of soft tissue stuff. Um, and you can see on my Instagram uh, page where I'm, you know, you see these people with big bruises under their arms and on their mm-hmm. back and stuff. That's, that's, that's myofascial adhesion stuff. I, I work with, with pitchers. I, I had a kid from Northridge, um, Angel. Um, and while he was, while he was at Synergy training um, with the trainers there, uh, I said, have you ever been, have you ever had your like pitching arm just stripped out? Like just all the, any scar tissue just removed? And he goes, no. And I said, come on over. And I did it with him. And he was a guy who was a 90, he was throwing, you know, he was at Northridge, he was throwing 90. Mm-hmm. And, but he was putting on all this muscle and stuff. All of a sudden I start, I start scraping all his chest so he can get his arm back. I'm working on his rotator cuff. I'm working his back all the way down. And, uh, you know, and all of a sudden he's like long toss. He's like, you know, I feel like my arm just moves smoother. And he went 91, 92, 93 drafted by Tampa Bay devil rays, you know, and he, he saw that and it was, he said, I feel stronger. I am stronger, but it was the fact that, that my arm is not just coming to here. It's coming way back here. And I'm able to, I'm able to just get more easy fluid motion. And I'm like, absolutely. And so now I've got high school pitchers here that, that come in and see me dads that we, there's a few dads here in town that you and I probably both played against. Um, and now their kids are playing and stuff and they're, they're bringing them in and I'm, you know, I'm working their, their arms and they say the same thing. They're like, man, I feel so much better. You know, this this Tommy John, this tendon right here snaps at 65 newtons of force. Even a guy throwing 93, 94 is only producing about 35 newtons. How do we keep injuring this? Right. And it's and it's it has to do with one, oh, I believe it's overuse, but it's a system of, of muscles that if it's not completely working like it should, that there's gonna be a breakdown. So I'm trying to I'm trying to avoid those breakdowns and get those get those muscles. Uh, working like they should your you know your shoulders there's 18 muscles holding your shoulder it's not a very stable joint it, yeah. you know it's it's got a flat and a and a socket which your hip is like this and it fits in it you know how many dislocated shoulders how many dislocated hips it's it's like 50 to 1 you know we, people dislocate their shoulder 50 times more than they do a hip there's so much more the hip is so much more stable the shoulder's not you know and um Alan Jager's a good friend of mine. His Jager bands are amazing. You know, all, you know, that's that whole workout. Alan has a, you know, I've known tons of guys that have uh, paid for his program in the off season. They work out with him and they do yoga and the long toss program. I can't tell you, there's so many pictures that have gone on after they worked with him in the off season and had some of the best year, you know, years of their career. 
Mm-hmm. And but the funny thing is, this only a couple of them actually go back the following year. I'm like, why? Why? If you got why something do you think that with, is, I don't know. I I I, I don't know. Do I think they, if I found they, something that was. You think the player gets an answer to something, and then they say, "Okay, well, I have the answer," and then the next offseason, I'll just continue doing that, and maybe they and they, do and they and they might percentage. they actually might, but but some of them like they're like, "Oh, I did that once," I don't know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just once, yeah. you know, and you know there, and I just think if if you found something that works, go back to it, you know. And, and when I was playing, uh, Perry Husband was my hitting coach. When I met Perry, Perry played at Northridge, but he was a scout with the Brewers. And I met, when I met Perry, like, he was like, you got to, he goes, your swing's not going to get you out of A ball. And then he showed me some changes about, you know, driving that backside through it instead of, you know, tilting that spin, that spin move, which, you know, when we were playing in high school, we had those Beezer tennis rackets. Um, you could spin on a ball and hit it six miles, <laughs> but now they're going with BB core and it performs more like wood. Right. Now you you can't you can't just spin on a ball and and, and hit that thing a ton. You got to actually have a a more of a a major league level swing where you're pushing driving through the ball and staying level through it, but your body's moving into it while you're hitting it. Because if you don't, you just hit these soft line drives. You won't yeah. you won't drive, drive that ball. And you you know, and we saw that as soon as they went to BB core, you know, kids that were hitting twenty home runs in college were hitting nine. You know, just just like that. So it, it it's the bat. It's definitely the bat. But you know kids that kids that are that have been training with the wood and, and and using those elite programs where they're all playing wood bat tournaments those kids really haven't been affected by 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 the bb core bats yeah you know let me, the kid- let me ask you on um from a chiropractic standpoint i want to dive into that a little bit more in regards to you mentioned shoulder like top shoulder side are there lifts or exercises that baseball players should stay away from I think that I think bench press is probably uh, the worst, the worst exercise for a for a, a, a thrower, you know, um, because when you see guys that really develop their chest, it, it causes their shoulders to roll forward. Mm-hmm. Now, in this position, when I try to lift my hands above my head, now I rolled my shoulders forward. This it's getting hard. I can probably still go, but every muscle in my back is like this right now. Yeah. As opposed to my shoulders being back, my arms just come up. So the chest, working that chest too much. And then, you know, pitching is a lot of chest anyways, because you're, you know, you're, you're getting back here and you're pulling. Mm-hmm. So I think, it, I think that the bench press, that, that, that flat bench press. Now, dump, some of the dumbbell stuff, if you can change the angle of your hands, you, you, you can get a, a little bit better. But that flat bench bar, you know, landing up top, that's probably one of the worst worst exercises yeah we did Um, that we did that heavily in high school um and i still to this day believe my most of my personal shoulder issues came from heavy heavy benching from the age of about i don't know like really my freshman year i started probably doing that 13 years old at least learning and my dad bought me a bench and my brother and i would just get (laughs) after it um and i i still think that's why i had some advancement more than other kids in high school because I was stronger than them, but I would, I struggled with shoulder pain all the time and still do to this day. Um, and that's why I'm asking, cause I've, I want to make sure other high school kids know they get way too heavy into the bench and they want to develop those beach muscles in the chest and that's going to possibly hurt them. Yeah. You know, and, and, you, you know, bench, you know, I, 
I think push-ups are, are pretty good. I like push-ups, but people will say, well, isn't that the same as bench? Yeah, it is if you're certain angles, but if you can get your arms back and down, now you're still working chest, but you're more shoulder bicep, which is what you want. Right. Um, okay. You know, the lots of, lots of shoulder issues are not uh, rotator cuff initially. So the big thing today is, is tech neck. So the kids look like this. Yeah. They're always like this. Right. The hunch, the hunch forward, the hunch back. Right. So tech what neck. ends up happening is their head starts to go forward. It's the same, it's the same thing, same thing, head forward. Now I'm trying to get my hands up. I can't, my head's gotta be back to get my hands up. Okay. So getting rid of some of those upper back issues. I just guys that, and, uh, when I, when they come in, they're forward and their heads forward. After a couple of weeks, they're back like this, and they're like, "I feel the difference now." Okay. Ankle injuries, ankle injuries are number two, probably two in my thing that contribute to shoulder problems for pitchers. Right-handed thrower, left-handed ankle sprain. You know, they mm. step on the bag wrong. Then what ends up happening is, is as they're landing because their ankle is not opening up like it should they end up landing closed because it doesn't hurt and they throw across their body and so they create they start to create shoulder problems and i've had two kids in the last two years where i couldn't get rid of their shoulder problem i couldn't figure out what it was they didn't have i'd send them mri no torn rotator cuff but their rotator cuff hurt their their bicep hurt and uh they were negative on everything and i kept just asking questions and then i just finally was like ankle sprain knee sprain last year and the kid's like oh you know six months ago I turned my ankle playing basketball and I was like right or left and he's like right or left and I go okay when did your arm stuff start having about five months ago so a month after he hurts his ankle uh his he starts having shoulder issues I didn't even work on his shoulder anymore I just worked on his ankle I did I adjusted it and it, it adjusted and then I worked on soft tissue. Eight ankle injuries, 80% of ankle injuries reoccur because of non-treatment. They just don't treat them at all and they need to be treated. And so once I cleaned his ankle up, I never saw him again. And then I saw him in high school, he was at uh, DO and I saw him again and I said, uh, what's, what's going on? And he goes, ah, oh, no shoulder problems. So it wasn't the, wasn't the no. shoulder, it was, the, it was the ankle. And it can be the knee also, sometimes guys are having these uh, you know, I don't know if your son is good. I, he's a giant, but he could have had some growing pains once and his knees would hurt. It was actually always his ankles and never ankles. was his knee, no back, always ankles. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, so the, those are the, those are the big things, but, but shoulder stuff, I tell you, if you're throwing, uh, you're throwing and you don't have like a, a a band system and you're not doing band work every day you're 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 uh you're you're asking for disaster and then you got to throw you know you got to throw overuse is the next thing growth plates kids have growth plates in their elbows adults don't um when you when you when you're having your kid pitch little league on tuesday and then he plays on thursday and then he plays club ball saturday sunday and then they have him throw another game on saturday he's throwing way too much, right. way too much. So Salter Harris fractures, which are growth plate, you know, having a growth plate. Those are, those are very common now. And I tell people, especially in the, in the elbow, that elbow is not 
it's got it's sep the bones are separated from the end plates and then you get inflammation in there and it, and it expands it if you don't have proper recovery time you can actually break that that everything that's in there it can actually break away from all the inflammation and then you broke a growth plate that elbow is never going to be the same again mm. you know yeah some of the growth plate stuff you can break it around the plate it's okay but if you break it in the plate that, that elbow is going to not grow correctly for the rest of your life you'll never be super effective you'll never be you know i don't think you'll ever get to pitch at the higher levels because your elbow is never going to do what it's supposed to so yeah. i think overuse is a big uh, is a big thing with injuries with the kids today and the kids and the thing is the kids don't know kids says i want to pitch i want to pitch and the coach's like, okay, you're going to pitch. But he pitched two days ago, and he hasn't had enough rest. The parents, you know, the parents sometimes don't step in and say anything. But I know there are parents that are like, no. Like, he pitched on Tuesday. He's not throwing today. He's not throwing until next Tuesday. And God bless them. Yeah. I think that's when parents are smart, when they realize in that scenario, like, no. I, I'm nipping that in the bud, or I tell the coach. And I think that's where there needs to be more communication. Because the player wants to be – do everything he can to help support his team. And if he's playing on two teams, he just wants to play, right? And, and, and show how tough he is for the coach where the parent might have more awareness at that time and be like, look, you just threw Tuesday. Like, you're not throwing Saturday. You just threw 80 pitches. Like, you're 12 years old, right? That's, yeah. you pitch once a week, right? So, I mean, sometimes, sometimes the coach is like, but he's only gonna throw one inning, you know? And, but one inning could be eight pitches. Or it could be or thirty. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and you know, then he just leaves him out there, and he's like, he just threw a game in one, in one inning. You yeah. know, it, that's what you know. And that's what I see with, with is the growth plate injuries, stuff like that. Um, you know, most pitchers that I see out here now, I had I had one kid that he was a superstar out here, loved him. Uh, when I when I did soft tissue, when I adjusted him because he was having back issues, when I adjusted him, and then I did soft tissue work on him. Uh, he had put on probably since high school, he probably put on 15 pounds of muscle. He looked like, he looked like a God. And I was like, man, you know, you're doing really good with your, with your training and stuff. When I scraped him out, he had so much inflammation in the system. He didn't even realize it. His whole back was one big bruise. That's inflammation. You know, that's not only is it adhesion, but it's inflammation in there. And after three times, Every time I, I would scrape out his thing with these, I use these instrument-assisted soft tissue therapy. They're like blades, but they don't cut you. Yeah. And you work them deep into the skin. They're Raskin technique. I use Gavilon. And they break up that stuff, and they break up that soft tissue, and they break up, and they bring blood healing into the area. And But the big thing is you get is increased range of motion. Um, like his whole back look was, was red, black and blue red. And then... It took me about three visits and then it was gone. Then I never saw him again mm -hmm. because his pain wasn't dual, wasn't skeletal. His pain was muscular. And once he got rid of all that pain, once, his, once it had kind of stripped all that toxin stuff out of there, uh, he wasn't in pain anymore. So, okay. and so yeah. I, you know, with, with guys that throw and stuff like that, I said, that's why I say, you know, buy a tool, buy a, you know, they have some of these tools on Amazon for, you know, $30. It's, it's a metal tool with a little blade. Buy it. Use it on your arm. Use it on your elbow. Remember, 65 newtons to snap this baby, but we're snapping it at, at 30. You know, Tommy John, when I was growing up, didn't exist. You know, I'm, I'm 49. 
you know, Tommy John wasn't a big thing. Now it's like, it's in the, you know, everybody's getting it, you know, so there's obviously there's something going on, you know, and, you know, and obviously there's, you know, today guys, kids are, you know, you see these kids coming out of Texas throwing 93, 94 in high school and, um, or a hundred, hundred. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I had, I've caught one guy that threw a hundred and, uh, he, he was hard to catch, but, uh, I mean, I can't imagine hitting off him. I hit off him. He was about, he was a starter and then they made him a stopper. So the starter, he was like a 96 <laughs> guy, but when he got to be just a stopper, he threw a hundred, he could throw a hundred and he was hard to catch. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, how, how hard that is on your arm. Yeah. I can't it's imagine. It's probably yeah. 40 newtons of force. I don't know, <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, and, the, and I think today that the, uh, the kids are just better athletes today. You know, they're, yeah, I, I just think I, I'm amazed at just, you know, I watch, get on TV and I watch some of these guys uh, make plays, you know, playing short and the guy slides, you know, pirouettes and throws a strike across the infield <laughs> at like 90 miles an hour. You see Tatis do something like that. You know, he's throwing the ball across the infield 91 miles an hour. Like these guys are phenomenal athletes. Yeah. The, 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 the training, the training has gotten so much better. You know, when I was leaving baseball, I was like, you know, I thought like CrossFit training and, or like cross training was going to be the way to go because it felt like it encompassed power and speed and strength all in one. And the workouts were much shorter. You know, the one the White Sox gave me, I would just, you know, it was like five pages and I'd like have to, <laughs> okay, we got this and this today. I'm like, oh, I never take three even, hours. And yeah, you're right. And I'm like, I'm not going to do this. You know, and once I came across programs, like, you know, certain programs were just like, you know, you're going to do, you're going to do as many pull-ups as you can. Then you're going to do uh, 100 body squats and then you're going to do a crunch and then you're going to do a handstand push-up, and uh, then you're going to do leap bounds. You're going to do plyos. And I would just do the circuits. When I got done, I was 45 minutes. I was soaked and exhausted. And I'm like, yeah. this is, and I, when I got on the field, I felt like, you know, a guy hit a ball to me. I'd die for it. I'd pop right up. I could push myself right up. 200 pounds, just boom, up, yeah. up on my feet and let, let it go. And I thought, man, this is, this is much better, um, you know, than just the straight, the weightlifting. I think the, I think the training is just amazing today. The athletes, the kids are becoming better athletes, way better, way better athletes. Um, you know, when are we going to see, when are we going to see a, a when are we going to see Bond's record go down? When are we going to see, you know, better athletes? I, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever see it if, there, if, if there's no enhancements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a whole different animal there. Well, yeah. man, this, is, this has been incredible. Um, I actually have to cut this short. I got to get to a lesson here. Oh, geez. But oh, wow. I want to give you a chance, too, if you – because I know at times you throw out some things on social media, like educational, instructional type things. Where can people follow you? Um, I am at, uh, on Facebook, I'm at uh, Facebook slash hit harder now. And uh, my Instagram is, uh, I believe it's Greg Shepard Baseball DC or Baseball Doc 29, something like that. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really into the, too much into the social media stuff. Okay. I probably should be more, but, I, but I'm not. I'm not. 
Okay. What about okay. what about the local kids here in Las Vegas? Where if they got some chiropractic issues, where can they where can they look you up at? I'm up in uh, near Coronado High School. I'm I'm in uh, uh, at Ideal Chiropractic. It's on the corner of us uh, of Horizon Ridge and Eastern. Uh, address is one zero six two four Southeastern Avenue, Suite Q, Henderson eight nine zero five two. Um, and then the phone number is 702-617-8676. Um, I, like I said, I do, I'm, I'm big into sports. Um, you know, my big thing is I want to get people back in the game. I want to get them back in the game of life. If they're just a mom or dad and they, and they're having issues at home, picking up their kids and athletes, I want to get them back on the field. Uh, you know, construction workers with problems. I want to get them back to work and be productive. You know, I, that, that's my thing. And I, and I, I do it pretty quickly. So um, I'm not, you know, I'm not that guy that's going to say, you're going to be here for 600 visits and uh, you're going <laughs> to pay me eight grand. I, I'm not that way. I, 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 my model is I'll get you better quicker. And um, I don't want to see you your whole life, but I mean, I don't mind, but I, I don't necessarily need to be treating people their whole lives yeah. uh, for stuff that can be fixed in, you know, four or five visits. So you know, that's, that's kind of my model. And, and I do a lot of soft tissue work. So, you know, um, along with adjusting just to, cause you got to, they, you know, it's, I'm dealing with neuro, you know, your brain telling your body what to do, muscular and skeletal stuff. And, and, uh, I think I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty good at it. Um, you know, so that's awesome. Stop in, stop yeah, that's great. Me. That's great. Yeah. I see. And I know you do, you still do hitting lessons. So you're still I helping do. out kids. That I way. still have some kids. Yeah. They so I see kids. I met, at the batter's box yeah uh in uh down in henderson off of uh what's that uh gate i don't know i don't know east gate east gate it's off of yeah. east gate there yeah. um yeah but i do i i take on um i take on some kids every once in a while not not too i don't do a ton of lessons anymore yeah um, it gets a little I'm, hard on the body once you get it <laughs> right. you know, working you know, being a chiropractor is hard on your body. It's like a, it's like a sport, still yeah. like a sport. I still got to, I still got to work out and stay in shape and keep my body strong, especially my back. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's like I said, I, I, I am still, I still play. I still play in leagues. I'm always, uh, I'm always looking at stuff. I just recently went to uh, TPI, which is Titleist Professional Institute, and they have a on-base university. I took a course there. Uh, it was all, it was on hitting, and then it was on. Uh, sports protocols, working with doctors. So how the coaches and the support staff work with doctors mm -hmm. with injuries. And, but they talked a lot about, you know, um, they, you know, Don slot was amazing. I even learned a ton of stuff from him, but uh, you know, and the guys that were there, there were guys from, uh, you know, they had San Diego Padres had most of their staff there. The Angels had most of their staff there. And it was, uh, and they were just there for the hitting. They didn't care about the, they didn't care about the rehab stuff. They wanted to, they want to understand that you know the, how to break down a guy and tell if he's if it's injury related or um, or if he just has a mechanical flaw that needs to be fixed. It was really really interesting, and you know so I'm constantly doing stuff like that. I'm always looking for uh, uh, um, educational things and stuff, and then I take that stuff and I and I put it into play. I go to the cage and I work on it and see if it's if it's good. I try to take it in games and work on it and see if if is, is it a solid principle that can be applied to a game or is it just something that, you know, that is a, is it just a principle that seems to work, but in a game situation, it doesn't at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got to weed those out too, because there's some techniques out there that, you know, they look good in the cage, but they, they never seem to work in the game. So, 
the game is the is the is the is the key. You got to people got to hit in the game, or or what you're teaching isn't the right stuff. You know, they got to be able you got to be able to take that into a game, and because that's the game is the is the is the uh, final is the final uh, you know. It's like that's like the result. You know, your goal, yeah. you have your goal, and your action. You're working on things, and then your result is what's happening in that game. And, you, and if they don't line up, you know, you, you got to get rid of it. Absolutely. Well, awesome, man. Doc, I appreciate your time, dude. Uh, this has great. been awesome. I know it's been fun running into you at the uh, batting cage, too, and seeing you around. I think it's awesome you're still playing as well. So I really appreciate your time, and I will talk to you later, brother. Take care. Okay, thanks, man. Yeah. Take care of yourself.